Eight weeks in the books, almost halfway home through the NFL best ball season. My gosh, it's flying fast. Some more injuries, unfortunately, in week eight. Some explosion games. Shout out to my guy, Sam Howell. Shout out not to Rob's guy, Patrick Mahomes. Not a flu game for Mahomes. CeeDee Lamb explodes. All sorts of craziness in week eight. Some upsets and a lot of shakeups in the NFL best ball landscape. We're going to get into all of that here on Monday Night Best Ball on Spike Week. Let's do it. See how I worked in the fact that Sam Howell is just a much better quarterback than Patrick Mahomes for fantasy. In the, the I, I like that you attempted it. You attempted to say that it wasn't a flu game when, in actuality, it was really a flu that's game. Not what, that's not what a flu game means. That's Jordan, not what a flu Jordan, game you gotta let me finish. You know, <laughs> I'm gonna let you finish, but you know, Beyonce. <laughs> <laughs> Jordan didn't have the flu. He had a fucking hangover. Like it was, it's a whole different thing. This was the actual flu. Are we sure? Are we positive? He was out in, you know, mile high. They like their, their cores natural, their, their banquet beers out there. Yeah, I don't, Mahomes, he's from Texas Tech. He likes to party a little bit. You know, we saw his house on quarterback. That's a party. That's a party pad. Uh, I, I, I don't know. You know, it's, it was awfully funny that we got late news that he was sick. You know, it didn't happen until, you know, late in their Denver trip that he got sick. I'm sure he also didn't have, you know, the, the Brown bottle flu as opposed to the uh, normal flu. It's okay because he's actually like theoretically healthy. Unlike the rest of these quarterbacks that <laughs> every other quarterback. So yeah. elite quarterback's going to win by default. Because they're the only ones that are healthy. It's, that's that is how it's so gonna true. go. It's just that, is... that range of Kirk Cousins, Deshaun Watson, you know, you start naming all these guys, that 100%. whole range is yeah, it's just cratered, right? So if you didn't go elite, you had to punt and take Howell, who I was also on Howell. He's one yeah. of my other highest owned quarterbacks. Yep. But these other dudes like it's not that they're not performing with Stafford's out like, dude, like Tannehill. We, I mean, I wasn't drafting Tannehill anyways, but these was the guy that people were leaning on for these three quarterback builds. And I wonder what the percentage of three quarterback builds are right now that are only, that only have one healthy quarterback, if any, because uh, that's the range, oh, right? High, probably, probably pretty high. And then we're going to get to later in the season. And some of these guys, even that may be healthy right now, who knows if they'll be playing in the the games late late in the season? It has been uh, a bit, you know, like you said, other than Howell, and of course Ritter has been fine for fantasy, and then he gets benched this week, so we'll see if he's even playing moving forward. Mac Jones has gotten benched multiple times and has had a couple of good games. Who knows what's going to go on with him? Like it has been like a, a total disaster in terms of any quarterback, basically almost every quarterback from Deshaun Watson, as you mentioned on back has just been dreadful. And so, I mean, Howell is the QB eight on the season, which is uh, a little bit buoyed by that, that last game. He's had a couple of really bad ones, but uh, it, it's, he's been great of course, you know, for, for his draft costs, but it, it's like just a lot of attrition. He's just still alive. You know? right. He's just still playing games. Of course he's producing for fantasy, but it, it's not like uh, the, the quarterback stuff. Like you said, we'll, we'll look back, right? Everybody's going to do this thing. We'll talk about this in June, July, August of, of next year. Everybody's going to do the postmortem and they're going to download the data right from, from underdog or whatever. And they're going to say, here's what, here's what builds we have to do, right? We do that stupid song and dance every, every single year. Here's what worked last year. Let's do it again. Just so silly, but it is going to be at, at all positions. It does feel, we say this every year, you know, all the same stuff, but it feels more chaotic this year in terms of the the injuries and the missed games and the is Deshaun Watson actually hurt or what's going on there, right? Um, Kamara suspended, Jameson Williams suspended, just like kind of chaos across everything. And then even some of the league winners, uh, uh, HN, Kyron Williams, whatever, they go down. 
And so like the teams that are at the top, there's probably still a lot of those guys advancing because <laughs> all the other teams, oh, they don't, you know, they didn't suffer the Kyron Williams or HN injury, but they don't have anybody that's worth a shit any <laughs> either, or their guys are hurt. There's so many injuries. And in particular at quarterback, like you said, that like, if you just have bodies, like you just need to score some yeah. form of points. That's like Geno Smith is one of my highest owned quarterbacks, obviously outside of of Howell and Lamar, those are kind of my, my biggest guys. I do have a bunch of Ritter and it's like, I'm, I'm not feeling good about Ritter and I'm not feeling good about Gino, but it's like, at least Ritter isn't hurt. He's benched. He may never play again, but it's not because like he tore his Achilles, like Kirk cousins, right? Gino isn't really doing anything, but he's not scoring zero. <laughs> so I know it's the teams aren't dead and it, it's crazy. Cause it's only week eight. We're only going to get more of this. Right? right. Some guys are going to come back, you know, the HNs and the Kyrens and all these guys are going to come back. Jefferson's probably going to come back, maybe going to come back, hopefully going to come back. But like at this point in time, I'm looking at teams like I almost I don't want to say I don't care about my advance rate because it'll sound just because my my team suck. <laughs> I'll just be, I, I said in the discord today, my teams are not very good. But also, I think just looking at this point in time, this is the time right now, these next three to four weeks when everything we think we know is going to change even more because a the injuries have, have continued to mount and they're mounting even more and b none of the good teams have had buys yet <laughs> like the Bengals had a buy and that's about it in terms of the good teams if you call seattle a good team i guess but like eagles gotta have a buy chiefs gotta have a buy dolphins gotta have a buy like ravens gotta have a buy all the how i mean howell has been so valuable he's still got a buy upcoming and that's not even accounting for the we're, we know we're going to get more injuries that's just football it's like Dude, this like it's always a game of attrition. This year feels like like even more so than the last 3 that we've had feels like such an absurd game of attrition. If you look at a team and it's got a bunch of living breathing bodies, like even if you're down by 150 points, you're it's not over. It's 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 not over yet. If if you were one of the people that were doing the single quarterback builds, which I don't think there was a lot of them, it's probably the right year to do it. Because the quarterbacks, it's a game of attrition. But this year in particular, there seems to be more quarterback injuries than any other year that I can remember. I feel like it's usually like two guys go down at the quarterback position, right? Maybe, And then we start getting changes in and out of the lineup for replacement yeah. sort of what's going right. on. Right, guys get benched or yeah, right. yeah, stuff like right. that. But, but, but the not injuries, like this. not this. Yeah, not this. And the other point that you made that's great is – we don't have that league winner that's just going to run away with everything this year, you know, like the CMC year or the Cooper Cup year. Like if you didn't have those guys in a best ball season, I, I know best ball is still relatively new. I don't even know if we were playing best ball during the CMC season, but those years in particular, the high scoring teams were all going to have CMC, right? Like it was going to have to be a lock Cooper Cup. It was going to be a lock that the, the high scoring teams that year, like look at that advance rate throughout that season of the Cooper Cup team. Cup, why... Cup and Andrews, it was like, right. it, it was hard to advance without without either of them. Sometimes without both of them, it was hard to advance because they, like you said, they gapped the field by so much and they were at a reasonable cost that you could get, you know, it wasn't like right. the 101. It's so true. So we have these guys that are coming in, they're doing what those guys did, but in like mini burst and then going off the field. Kyron for what, six games, five games, you have... Mm -hmm. Achan for four games, three games doing it. Mostert isn't even doing what he was doing. I mean, he's still fine, but we're just watching it like cycle. We're watching, we're watching league winner cycles. There's very few guys that I feel like are like legitimate league winners this year. And as much as it pains me to say it, the actual league winner this year is probably just Travis Etienne because they can't put anyone else on the field behind them, right? <laughs> Well, like this dude is going out there without gloves on, fumbling the one chance he gets. I was told Tank Bigsby was good. I was told this dude is going to go in there. He's going to take over the, the goal line touches. ETN's going to be like essentially a Buffalo Bills running back where you yeah. think he's getting a bunch Fancy of Fancy James Cook. Fancy yeah. James Cook, yeah. And, and now he, they just have to be like, well, we just got to give ETN everything because Tank Bigsby doesn't even know how to have fucking hands. Like he just doesn't even know how to use them. Like – what are we doing? Your name's Tank. <laughs> so, technically, tanks tanks don't have hands, I guess. So that's technically a uh, a pair. But a they're parallel. strong. They are strong. <laughs> that is that is true. Tank is none. Tank Tank doesn't have any redeeming qualities about him other than the cool first name. I, oh, the the 
the progression of Tank Bigsby is truly Jesus. hilarious. From the priest, like everything they did tell us was ended up being accurate in terms of the preseason like prognostications, right? In camp, it was like ETN can't handle all that work, right? And he's a little bit of a smaller back. He's not small, but he's a little bit of a smaller back. He's not, you know, freaking Jonathan Taylor or or Najee Harris or whatever. Um and they don't, you know, he was getting all every touch last year down the stretch. They didn't want to do that. So they drafted Tank Bigsby. He is a little a bigger back, a little right bruiser. He can't catch passes and blah, 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 blah. And then in the, the training camp, they're telling us that, that he's going to play. In preseason, he is playing. They're like splitting 50-50 during the preseason games with with the ones. And Tank did look good in, in the preseason. And it was like the... We swip, we we uh, flip the switch to the regular season, and Tank Bigsby, like uh, uh, the monsters, came down and grabbed his you know his talents out of him, and he turned into uh, the Space Jam guys after after they had their talents taken away. This guy can't he can't play, so they can't put him on the field. Darius Johnson is just a dude, right? He runs like a four eight forty. He's he's just not really anything special. And so they have nothing else to do but to give Travis Etienne the ball and all the snaps and all the routes. And the the really funny thing about about Etienne is that he's really operating almost like a dead zone back in terms of his his production. The efficiency is shit. He's not really running well. Uh, the receiving is like okay. He's not exactly CMC or Eckler or or whatever in the receiving game. Like he's he's okay. I know he caught the long one uh, this week, but that was a it was a wheel route and a blown coverage. I don't know what that safety was doing. That looked like a high school play. That was the Steelers are just a disaster, but it's like, he's just scoring a bunch of touchdowns, which is, I mean, that's great. Like that's, he's a talented kid. That's what you, that's what you draft these types of running backs for first round pick NFL running back. But like <laughs> it, it is talk about attrition with the quarterbacks and with our best ball rosters, Travis Etienne is just, it's a tr- his other teammates suck so bad that they're just like uh, we got to we're we're trying to win games. Um, it's crazy. It really is the ETN thing. It's is is really funny. I just keep expecting him not to score a touchdown every single week, and he scores. He usually scores two. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's not just he's scoring one. He usually scores two. It, the lesson I've learned from ETN isn't just ETN based. It's overall thought process based. If I take anything away from this off season from the, the real season and what I did in the off season for drafting is going to be, and it's going to sound so simple when I say it, but I wasn't implementing it is I was real big on some offenses, but I was real big on the passing portion of the offense. Right. So obviously I was big on Kansas city. I was big on, I liked the Jaguars quite a bit, especially mm-hmm. early when I could get them at decent prices. And even though I love the chiefs, right. And I got 20, whatever percent Mahomes. That's still 76% of my teams that doesn't have him. And I like this offense as a whole. So on 76% of my other teams, and this is going to start sounding like Scott Steiner math, why couldn't I get 15% Pacheco on those teams or 10% Pacheco on those teams, right? And just bring that up. I I was so focused on the passing attack there. That was also the case with the Jaguars, where I was so focused on – I want to try to get Trevor Lawrence, and if I can't stack him, I still want Calvin Ridley. I still want a Christian Kirk, Zay Zay Jones. Hell, I even liked Evan Ingram here and there as a one-off, just so I had some portion of this Jaguars offense. Mm-hmm. And what I was overlooking time and time again is the running game. And it's because I was so focused. And, it, and like I said, it's when you break it down, it sounds so simple, but these are the traps we put ourselves in when we're drafting, right? Because our focus is on the on one particular thing or the passing game, or we just like the running game. And it's like, well, if you like the offense as a whole, you should like the offense as a whole. Right. Right. You're, you're, you don't put that gap in there. And I think there are some outliers. Like if you like the Buffalo offense based on the way they play, I. Gone my back. Yes. Yes. Um, if you like the Buffalo offense, I, they just don't play towards the running backs in the offense as a whole. They haven't over the past four years. As good as James Cook can be, he's still not doing what we would want a running back to do on that team. So I think you can still kind of toss those ones, especially if they're going too high in drafts. But like these pass based offenses where the quarterback's not rushing. If you like it, you should be taking those running backs. And it just sounds so simple. And yet I didn't do it. 
<laughs> yeah, it is. It is so funny. Um, like with with the Bills, I am going to be interested to see how it goes down the stretch. Obviously, uh, Damian Harris didn't do anything and then got seriously injured, and and they trot they've tried the Latavius Murray thing, but which which also floors me. Like why they weren't using like Dame Damian Harris? Why why wasn't Damian Harris getting those? those carries beforehand over Latavius Murray. The fact that you have to bring in Leonard Fournette at this point in the season probably tells you everything you need to know about Latavius Murray, uh, other than what we've seen on the field, which is uh, it's over. He's like 34 or something like that. I, I think we all saw this coming, but why, what like, so Devin Singletary, I'll use him uh, because when he was on the bills, this was two years ago now, uh, took over that backfield from Zach Moss. If you remember, we were not draft. This, this was the thesis of the bills heading into that season too, was, you know, Josh Allen steals all the goal line touchdowns. We don't want to draft those guys, but it was kind of the thesis for last year with Miles Sanders. You couldn't mm-hmm. draft Miles Sanders because Hertz is going to, you know, they're going to throw and Hertz is going to take all the goal line touches and it's going to be a committee. Well, that happened with the bills, but Zach Moss stunk, which is also funny now because the, Everything is flipped. Singletary stinks, yeah. and Zach Moss and Zach Moss is yeah. amazing. Zach what Moss is, is keep- what is football? <laughs> what, you know, like, Zach Moss is keeping Jonathan fucking Taylor off off the field, <laughs> and Devin Singletary can't play. But then two years ago, Devin Singletary was like one of the best, and turned out to be one of the best picks in fantasy because he consolidated that backfield. And now Josh Allen did still take some some goal line stuff, but he got enough. When when you take the whole thing, when you take the whole pie from the Bills there can be juice to squeeze from, from there. But the, the problem is that James, James Cook has, you know, the majority of it, but it's all the least valuable shit, right? It's mm-hmm. all the between the twenties, a couple targets here and there, but he's never going to score any touchdowns and they're not going to run enough to where he can do anything. And then they're trying this Latavius Murray bullshit at the goal line. And he gets stuffed <laughs> every single goddamn time because he's Latavius Murray. And so there's because not he's anything. our age. Yeah, exactly. Literally, literally, literally. <laughs> he, 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 he can't do it. And so there's nothing that's happening there. Also I think low key that's, it's really hurting their offense the way that they've conducted this, this running game, because Al- Josh Allen is definitely not 100%. I, I don't want to say how injured he is because it's not like we can ever tell but i feel fairly confident to say josh allen is not 100 percent. he still runs like a moron uh despite having like a bum shoulder but then he isn't running as much at the goal line you know it used to be like you got down inside the five it was like here we go josh allen you know qb power right every single time josh allen's gonna score but analyzing that is so difficult i do think to your point um the jags were a good one and also like say whatever you want about ETN. I still firm. Like, I don't think ETN has disproven any of the thesis that I had um, around him, but what he did, the thing that has been kind of disproven was not disproven, but the thing that he has proven is that he's just good enough in a backfield with other vagabonds and the Jags are willing to just give him all the work. And that's really all that matters, yeah. right? Like, like why touches or something yesterday? Like why, why has Najee Harris been overdrafted for each of the last two seasons was because the team two years ago when they didn't, when it was Anthony McFarland and uh, uh, Benny Snell and shit behind him, it they were just like, we're just going to give it to Najee, right? He's going to catch a bunch of balls and we're just going to give it to him. So he's continued to be overdrafted since then. But when the team is willing to consolidate it, which they showed us last year, was willing to consolidate it down to the one guy. And he is talented. Like ETN is a very explosive young, young player or whatever, but I think he's, he's a, a flawed guy in terms of the pass catching and, and some of that stuff. And they showed us indications that maybe he wasn't going to be, you know, the 100% snap player, but the other guys just suck. And the upside was definitely there. As, as, as you said, we can debate the, the bills upside thing. I think that go, that's a kind of a coin flip type of situation, but certainly the upside for ETN was there. So I can't knock anybody for, for drafting him. And you're, I mean, if you have ETN, like, dude, just having a running back, that's going to score a requisite number of points, every single, obviously yeah. he's smashing, but even in his down games, right. You're getting 15 or something, which is so freaking valuable. Dude, I was scrolling through teams last night. My DFS teams are so bad. You know how it goes when your DFS teams are bad. You're scrolling the best ball teams to see if you can find something to, to, to cheer you up. And I'm scrolling through teams like 
Ooh, Mostert, 10 points. Ooh, <laughs> ooh, ooh, AJ Dillon, nine. I'm like, ooh, found a Cam Akers usable week, eight points. Like, you're like, I'm like yeah. celebrating the, these these teams, you know? You you happen to stumble upon a, a Gus Edwards. Somebody was mentioning a Gus Edwards Love Star says Gus Edwards is, is still underrated. Like, I stumbled, I think my highest scoring BBM team, which is not in contention for anything, but right. uh, my highest scoring BBM team has Gus Edwards. And I was like, oh my God. Like having Gus Edwards on the team right now is amazing. Now he hasn't done shit besides this week, but it's just like having a guy who's like, I don't know. He's going to get 16 to 18 touches and some goal line carries like that has a in a good offense that has a lot of value. It's just crazy how things have changed so much. Like you could go back and watch this show in the first couple of weeks and we're just like, Oh baby, right. Kyron and Puka and, mm-hmm. and, and all these different guys. And now it's just like, give me bodies that could possibly score points. Like, I don't even, I, like, I just need some hope. <laughs> you know, what tournament's been fun to track that in. And I was kind of tweeting about this last week, go through if you, if you guys are still in the eliminator tournament and just start going through, not just your teams, but go through like the teams, like in your brackets, and look at the running backs on some of these eliminator teams and the teams that are getting through. So I had three still live. I had two regular eliminators and a little eliminator. It looks like I'm only going to have one regular eliminator team after this. But just looking through some of these teams that are getting through with some of these running backs. And it's just like, oh, man, I almost got through with my best running back having like seven or eight points. Like that's how that's the attrition. That's those teams specifically. Because teams are getting kicked out of the league every single week as they as they progress, it's just it, it shows you really what's going on throughout the season as teams are cycling in and out, like not in and out, but cycling out. You're like, man, this is just freaking chaos. Because I mean, I still have a Justin Jefferson team that's live. It's kind of sick around it, but you would think that a Justin Jefferson team in an eliminator would be gone. Yep. But because of all the other stuff that's going on it's still live so it's it's just a such a crazy year and the eliminated tournaments are so much fun it's my it's my new favorite thing honestly yeah uh i didn't i didn't do any and i i regret i had a little bit of burnout on new contests and and all that kind of stuff by by that point but i'm 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 regretting it just to have something uh additional to sweat rather than looking all these look at all these trash ass teams <laughs> that i've drafted <laughs> and, and uh hoping that that some something rebounds um a couple of things I, I also do want to touch on. I know I, I hit on it, but I, I do think it's important to, to discuss, particularly because in the Discord, I've been thinking about this. Uh, I was thinking about this for myself personally. So anyway, quick backstory. I have one FFPC main event. I co-drafted it with a buddy. And uh, we're four and four. We're, we're going to go four and four. Uh, the team that we, we scored 160 this week and we lost to a team that scored 190. <laughs> they had AJ Brown, CeeDee Lamb, uh, George Kittle, like just... Uh, unbelievable uh even they even like we were like hanging in there with we started both dalton kincaid and trey mcbride get stone cold Mm. smashes there we have tyreek keenan allen Brees. um our team's pretty good but uh chuba at the rb2 which felt so uh the sklansky bucks felt great for chuba this week by the way lots of touches not a lot not a lot of not a lot of fantasy points you have the worst run i saw of a running back this week but continue Uh, yeah he he might have he earned the job and he might have just lost (laughs) it in one in one in one game, they're going to be like, well, Sanders sucks. Let's give it to Chuba. Oh, God, he sucks. Raheem Blackshear time. Hopefully you drafted some yeah, Raheem Blackshear. Run with Visca. Yeah, yeah, here comes Visca. <laughs> but uh, I was going through the exercise. Of, okay, we're four and four. We're like a little bit out of points, out of the, the chance to advance on, on total points in the main event for anybody that plays. The, the, the way they set up the playoffs is really weird and kind of stupid. But I'm like going through and looking like, okay, is this over, right? You're four and four. We basically got to win out to have a chance to, to get through on record. And then we're a little bit out of points. I'm like, do we really have a chance? Like, should I even care about this team anymore? And I'm going through the other teams that are ahead of us. And I'm like, oh shit, this guy's got, you know, three got his three best players on by next week. And then the next guy's got, you know, the next guy's got Eagle stack. And then the next guy's got right. A dolphin stack. And the next guy's got, you know, whatever chiefs, the next guy's got Mahomes Kelsey. And I'm just like, holy shit, like all these guys are in a lot of trouble. I'm like, they're in like a, like a lot of trouble. And then it just, it all starts uh, spinning in my brain because the folks in the Discord this morning are like, <laughs> I think it was Silas that brought it up first that was just like, is anybody else just like depressed <laughs> looking at their their teams? And I'm like, yeah, A, I think everybody is because even if you have like a good advance rate and stuff, you have so many injured players, it's hard to really yeah. know how, how you stand. But also 
depending upon whether you have a great advance rate, a horrible advance rate, mine sucks. My, my advance rate is like 13% in, in best ball mania. Um, no matter where you stand on, on this whole spectrum, the next three to four weeks, four weeks, basically from week nine to week 13, there's no buys in week 12, but from week, week nine, 10, 11 and 13, like, so many of the good teams, the teams that are at the top, right? Think about all these, all those guys. Tyreek, uh, CMC is on by this week, plus Ayuk, plus Kittle, plus Purdy, one of the walking, one of the actually living quarterbacks. Um, AJ Brown, Jalen Hurts, Devonta Smith, Mahomes, Kelsey, Mark Andrews, Lamar Jackson, <laughs> Zay Flowers, the aforementioned Gus Edwards, who other te- who teams that have him probably need, right? Has uh, ETN had a buy? I don't know if ETN's had a buy. Like, Everyone that is like really driving teams is still about to go on by. Plus those teams probably have that attrition too. Like nobody had even like, if you're winning with those guys, they're the ones driving it. You probably are dealing with tons of duds around them because there are so many duds and so few hits that like, all it's going to take is like that, that team that's been relying on their AJ Brown, Jalen hurts stack for the Eagles buy to come up, they score 45 points in that week or whatever, and you score 140. And the next thing you know, you are right back in it, like right, right back in it. And I know that that's a, that's a tall task to score 140 on say underdog. And um, I'm exaggerating a little bit about 45, but maybe not like they may not have a backup quarterback. They may, their next best wide receiver may be, you know, somebody not very good. Like the shakeups that are coming have already happened a lot, but that are coming over the course of the next month are like almost hard to wrap your brain around because every good team still has to go on by and every, like every freaking best ball team is dealing with injuries, not just like to quarterbacks, like most importantly, cause you only draft two or three of them, but like through, down through your whole roster, so many guys are hurt. And then that you add in the buys, like if you can weather the storm and you have some, some healthy bodies, you can make a, a pretty quick comeback. So, um, Trying to be positive, trying to be glass half half full here, obviously. But I do think that, like, just you look at your teams, you're like, oh my god, I have an 11 percent advance rate. Like, it's not over. It, it, like, we are we're we're only halfway, not even not even halfway. Like, it's so far from over. And the next month is when the real chaos hits. I think that we're gonna do a fun exercise real quick. I think this the, just kind of shows the state of things. My I'm gonna give my highest scoring BBM team. I'm gonna give you the roster. And you're going to see, like, it's just crazy. So my highest scoring PBM team is 1,073.73.5 points, which sounds pretty good, right? Like, I'm not saying it's in the, mm-hmm. you know, the top, like, it's in the top whatever it's supposed to be in. Cashing, yeah. You're getting yeah. 250. You're getting 250 yeah. bucks, yeah. My quarterbacks, Justin <laughs> Fields, Russell Wilson. <laughs> Those are my quarterbacks, okay? Shout out Russ. He's alive. Get ready for this running back room. They have a bye also, I think, next week. Yeah, great. <laughs> <laughs> and Fields is not playing. <laughs> right. Here, here's the running back room. Khalil Herbert. That's my first running back on the board. Samaji P. Ryan, Elijah Mitchell, Raheem Mostert, Kendra Miller, Ty Chandler, Kyron Williams. Rough. <laughs> we are we're just starting off rough. So we got yeah. no quarterback next week and <laughs> Samaj AP Ryan RB1. <laughs> yeah. Wide receivers, Diggs, AJ Brown, DJ Moore, D Hop, Tyler Lockett, Cortland Sutton. That's pretty good. So we this was an experimental team where I just went six wide receivers and just loaded up at like a zero RB build. And then my tight ends are Kyle Pitts, Dolchich, and Michael Mayer. Like this team does not sound good, does it? Like it it sounds awful, honestly, other yeah. than the wide receiver position, of course. But that is a th- that team has scored a thousand and seventy three points. Why? Because Mostert and Kyron for the running backs just Scored absolutely. So yeah, if you look at the so the the running back point breakdown is Herbert for the season twenty points, P Ryan eight. Elijah Mitchell, zero. Mostert, 142. <laughs> Kendra, 11. Ty Chandler, zero. Kyron, 97. Kyron so, hasn't played in three weeks, and he's contributed 100 points to, to, to the team. Right. So, like, I, I bring that team up just to make all of our points. My best scoring team sucks. 
<laughs> which means that a lot of people's best scoring teams sucks, right? So it, it just there's going to be a lot of chaos over the next few weeks, flip-flopping on the leaderboards. You're going to start getting some teams through you didn't think you were going to get in there. And once you get those teams into the playoffs, who the hell knows what's going to happen? We, we still have so much – fluctuation that Kirk cousins injury is real bad for the Vikings. Yeah. I don't know if that means Jefferson doesn't come back, does come back. Like it's, there's so many question marks right now. It's, it's going to be insane for these best ball contests. A hundred percent. And the, I mean, if we've seen anything so far through, through eight weeks, it is that the teams with the guys who have scored the most points aren't always the teams that project to score the most points in that individual week. Right. And that's that's that seems easy and straightforward. But now, like, think about that on steroids by the time we get to to the fantasy playoffs. You obviously are going to have all the injuries. You're going to have benchings. You're going to have trades. You're going to have guys shutting it down. You know, you're going to have and then that doesn't even factor in matchups and all that kind of stuff. You're going to get to week 15, 16, 17. And sure, you want to get as many teams there. But having necessarily the highest scores, I'm not saying you don't want, right? I, I want A-Chan on my teams. I want Kyron to come back and be on my teams, of course. But those guys aren't like, not those guys specifically, but the guys who got you there aren't always the guys who are going to be the highest projected scoring players. And certainly that's not, that's just a projection. That's not even the results. Like we see the results are chaos. CD Lamb wasn't the highest projected scoring wide receiver this week. He blew the doors off of, off of everybody. Sometimes that's just how it goes. You just got to weather the storm and and get there and the other thing as you were talking about that team and then i'll kind of read mine because it's funny there's there's some there's some i like mine better just to be i'm just gonna be upfront <laughs> about that um but there's a lot of par- there's actually a lot of parallels uh between the two teams um and, and but what what also like was totally popping out to me when you, when you said that is what gets lost in the best ball stuff specifically is that we always think about usable weeks and we always think about you know uh, being able to field that starting lineup and how many points a, a player scores over the course of the whole season, but how many points a player contributes to your lineup is so much driven by the ceiling weeks, right? Why, why is that team doing so well is because most are in Kyron, the wide receivers are awesome. They're, they're kind of ping ponging around. Sometimes you just get layering of, of, of points in amongst your players, right? Diggs has a down game. So-and-so steps up AJ Brown, just crushing every week, but you know, those, the, the, there's layering of points that we just can't predict, but also Kyron is still so valuable on the teams that he is on, even though he's still not going to be back for three more weeks or whatever, hopefully three more weeks because he had such big games, especially at a cheap price. Same thing. Mostert, Achan, when they had their big games, they were scoring 35, 40 fantasy points and other running backs don't do that. And so they contributed so many points in those weeks. It's more valuable than the guy who, who is scoring as many points as them over the course of the season, but is scoring 16 every week, right? Because it's contributing more points to your team because then the next week, even though Mostert has a down game like this week, he still scored 10. Right. So that guy scored six more than Mostert this week. Let's just say the the guy scoring 16 every week. He scored six more than Mostert this week. So that guy gained six points on you. Mostert scored 35 the one week and that guy scored 16. You gained 19 points, you know, call it 20 points on that guy. So you've still, despite the fact that you're scoring the same amount of points over the course of the season, you have more because your big games are producing that many more points. And so it's something that's hard to quantify at times we have you know like stats and and stuff like that that are best ball focused quantifying spikes spike weeks and points added and nuclear weeks and all that kind of stuff it's a little bit more looking at the past than than the future but it is like it's so it's so easy to just be like oh look this guy's the rb6 it's like yeah he could be the rb6 and not be as valuable or or be much less valuable than the rb5 because the RB, they're scoring about the same amount of points, but when the RB5 is scoring, he's contributing so many points to your team, and you get five, six, seven, eight running backs on, on your team that can backfill and come close enough to the 16, you know, the guy that's just flatlining every single week. Now, real quick, I'll just run, run down mine. 1,075 points, so we're, wow. we're, we're right there. We're, both, we're probably holding hands next to each other <laughs> on, the, on the leaderboard. Lamar Jackson and Tua – at quarterback. So a little bit of a, um, Tua wasn't elite, you know, but I certainly didn't punt it off. It's kind of surprised that Howell wasn't on here. <laughs> the running backs pretty much just about as gross as yours. And a lot of, <laughs> a lot of crossover, a lot of crossover. Okay. RB one, Samaj AP, Ryan. 
<laughs> RB2, Kendra Miller. RB3, Dante Foreman. Shout out Dante, Dante Foreman saved this team uh, last week, apparently. Raheem Mostert, Kenny Gainwell. Daneric Prince uh, yes. is on this team. So of this course. is clearly, a, you know, uh, uh, August draft or something when uh, <laughs> when I, I thought Daneric Prince might be a good idea. Uh, Evan Hall, shout out our guy, Evan Hall. Maybe we can drag nice. Evan Hall to a, to a min cash. And then Kyron, of course. It is a six wide receiver team. So that was, that was eight running backs. Six wide receiver team. And uh, the wide receiver is a first round wide receiver that most people would probably not guess. And it is Jamar Chase, not... Wow. Not Justin Jefferson, not AJ Brown, not CD Lamb, etc. Jamar Chase, Drake London, Brandon Ayuk, Jordan Addison, Gabe Davis, and Rashad Bateman. And shout out to Rashad Bateman for being so bad that I only drafted six wide receivers and he has not contributed a point. <laughs> to this team. Uh, tight ends are pretty good. Mark Andrews and Dalton Kincaid. So, uh, but like I have like hope for that team, but like not a lot of hope you know what i mean like kyron certainly has to come back and uh we need a little bit of a little bit of luck it's that's uh the running back crossover was like like almost four four guys i think were the same on that one interesting that both of our highest scoring teams are sort of that same zero rb build but with the reduced wide receiver because a lot of people were still doing seven wide receivers with with the zero RB build. So maybe going six and just going absolutely top end wide receivers is the play or a specific type of build. We need to look at a little bit more mm-hmm. next year because I do like it. I mean, my last drafted wide receiver was Cortland Sutton, which is like round nine or something at that point, eight, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. So I actually do like the build. The running backs got gross, but, <laughs> but the point, but it, it's the epitome of why we draft these zero RB teams, right? We know not all of them are going to hit, but two of the six, uh, two of the seven, eight players hit, and you're off to the races because your wide receivers are just smashing every single week. So um, interesting to kind of modify that build a little bit and go that route in yeah, the future. I, I think about that all the time in reference to um, – um, I, I try not to bring it up all the time, but it is like a really good example of a, a – a best ball team that hits a lot of the kind of keynotes that we talk about with uh, Pete and I's BBM team from, from two years ago, but we drafted a zero running back team, a little bit similar to the one that Rob and I, <clears throat> both the ones that Rob and I just discussed where Raheem Mostert was uh, our RB one and got hurt on like the first play of, of the season. We did only draft six, but uh, it like hit so big on like so many of not all of them, but so many of, of the six that, as you said, we just like we had Tony Pollard and then Madison popped a couple of times. And then I forget there was another one or two guys that popped. And then we happened to hit on Sony Michelle, Devin Singletary, I think was on the team. We happened to hit on Sony Michelle uh, in the last round who ended up on the Rams that year. If everybody uh, recalls and, and was really good for, for the Rams that like, we have Devontae Adams and, you know, we have Keenan Allen and we have CD lamb and we have all these guys and we had good quarterbacks and like, you just like like you said, I I think that zero running back is is certainly more popular with you know a, a lot of the content creators in our little uh, bubble that do it more and push it more and people are coming and getting around to it a little bit. But I think that just means that what you said is so much more true that we can think a little more deeply about it and like I, most of my zero running back teams are for sure seven like seven and seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I tried to, if I, if I had my druthers, it would be two, seven, seven, two would be how I would draft my zero running back teams. Not, not the draft doesn't always work out how you want it. So it doesn't always happen. But, and like I just mentioned, my highest scoring team is two, eight, six, two. <laughs> I only have six wide receivers and eight running backs. And you like you said, you just have to hope to hit. And this team didn't even hit that big, but they've, it's hit enough, right? Mostert's had big games. Kyron's had big games. Foreman had one big game. And so the next thing you know, you got 1,100 points and you're like kind of cruising to the playoffs. Like I'm up by 125 over third place. Like you're kind of cruising to the playoffs despite the fact that you don't have any big hits. It just buys you more time for maybe Kendra hits later. Maybe P. Ryan hits later. Maybe someone else hits later. And that's then the layering starts to play in, right? You know, there's just so much nuance to it. But um, I do think it's a, it'll be a fun exercise next summer when we dig into it. And then look at both of our teams, too, where Sutton's my last wide receiver, Bateman's your last wide receiver on a six RB, on a six wide receiver build. And it's like, well, if we did pivot and go with the seventh wide receiver, who would have mattered, right? Like, who matters at that point? Like, if you got 
that one percent outcome where you actually drafted Puka Nakua on the team. But yeah. why are you drafting Puka Nakua? Like I understand he smashed, right? But just in the the context of the team you drafted, it's like I drafted all these high end wide receivers, and then I'm gonna hit. I'm gonna try to hit on 18th round player X, yeah. and if it's not Puka, then it's like it was a wasted pick. So the majority of the time it's a waste of picks. Why wouldn't you just take that shot on Kyron Williams, Keontae Ingram, some one of the running backs when that's the build that you're trying to make where you're trying to hit on these late round running backs. So I, I think the context of how we build our zero RB teams going forward is going to be key. Yeah. The, the payoff on, so they're all scratch off lottery tickets. Right. Mm-hmm. All these guys, even, you know, uh, like uh, Nico and Tank Dell and Josh Downs and and Puka and stuff have been great hits. Like I'm, no one is denying that Jacoby right. Myers plays late, plays later tonight has, has been good. Though, you know, like Nico and Jacoby Myers weren't that cheap, but Dylan, whatever. But all these guys are scratch off lottery tickets. But your team needs running backs. Your team, your team needs the, the, the running back scratch off lottery ticket is going to hit bigger for that team. Right. Like if, if you take that 18th round wide receiver instead, you don't have Kyron on the team. And guess where this team is in the fucking tank, <laughs> right? Because right. you needed every single one of those hundred Kyron points on this team to be where you're at. So like, Oh, congratulations. You got Puka. He helped this team, but you scored a lot less points actually. Cause your running backs are so bad. You mm-hmm. needed that next, you needed that last guy. And so, um, that's how I feel. That's how I feel. we don't need to talk about weekly winners or whatever, but the whole offseason debate about should you draft how many quarterbacks, how many tight ends, all that different stuff. And people were unwilling to draft like just one quarterback or one tight end or or solo both in weekly winners. And it was like, no, if you draft a Lamar Jackson, buddy, you don't need you don't need Jimmy Garoppolo. You need as many scratch off. Yeah. You need to yeah. you need to find Kyron Williams. You need to find, you know, Gus Edwards. You need to find those on that team because that's how you win this tournament. If Jimmy Garoppolo, like, oh, what if Lamar fails? Well, you lose. <laughs> you you that, that you didn't win that week, and that's okay, right? And it's the same thing, you know. It, weekly, it's funny because weekly winners, um, people talked a lot of strategy around that, and people talked constantly about all upsides, all that matters, and all that. And it's like, yeah, but isn't that true for all best? Why are, why are we treating weekly winners so much different? They're a little bit different and they should be treated a little bit different, but people were willing to embrace some stuff in weekly winners because of the weekly format. It's like best ball is just a weekly game disguised as a, as a season long game. And all we really care about is that weekly upside. There's nuances to that and shades of gray, but I was always just like, yeah, like but this team to both of our teams example, like this team needs Kyron. It, and you know, it needs Kyron or Hall or, Kendra or somebody like that to miss the more you take those guys out of there and add in a shot on wide receiver a you're probably not going to hit on the wide receiver you're probably not going to hit on anybody but if you hit which one makes the most impact on that team and I, I feel like we lose that sometimes right we just get into robot mode over draft season and we lose the some of that that little uh uh important those important factors to the roster construction I was I drafted really poor weekly winners teams. I only did ten of them because I had what you had when the eliminator came out. When I finally started doing my weekly winners, I was just I was just burnt on new tournaments. And I think it's a great concept, and I, I look forward to them doing more of it. But by the time I got to it, I just I I don't know if I've ever phoned in tournament drafts as much as I phoned in the weekly winners drafts. So <laughs> shame on me for that. But even at that point, I was like. Yeah, if I have Mahomes or Lamar, I'm not drafting another quarterback. Why would I ever? Hurts? Like, I mean, I'm trying to take this down like two or three weeks out of the year. Like, that's what this team is being built for. It's not being built to generate money every single week. It's being built to win, hopefully, Once. one week. Yeah. <laughs> like, Once. Right? And you we can finish our- last. You can finish last in every single other week and, and win, what, $20,000. Right. Yeah. I mean, you're just looking to get. QB one Jalen Hurts week because it's most likely going to happen. QB one Lamar weeks most likely going to happen, right? So like that's that's what you're building around is when that week does hit. I, I don't understand the people. I understand the people that were doing like three quarterbacks when they were doing like Howell to uh, you know, Goff or something like that. That I get. But if you were taking top notch, even up to probably Lawrence and Richardson, I probably definitely would. Richardson, right? For sure, Richardson. Right. So I just don't think I would have been taking other QBs. There's probably more of that Kirk Cousins Russ line that you start drafting more than one, but we don't have to yeah. talk weekly winner strategy the whole night. Yeah. 
uh, yeah, please no. Uh, Cobra guy mentions uh, he's personally a hero RB guy over a zero RB guy. Quasi is a is the same. Um, I, I don't. I, I, there wasn't to say um, you have to draft zero zero running back teams. Uh, that that conversation. I will say I think most people are hero running back team. That that's that's a lot. Of, the zero running back thing is a really uh, played out conversation. I don't even really like to talk about it that much anymore because people. They are very stubborn, you know, out there and, and social media or in the YouTube comments or whatever. Not you guys. But um, I think that the big thing that gets lost with zero running back that people miss is not only just the benefits, right? Go, You can go reread uh, Sean Siegel's original zero running back article or or go watch. There was a couple of good streams that I happened to be lucky enough to be on with the ship chasers where I think we did a pretty good job breaking down the benefits two years ago, I think, of, of zero running back in best ball. But a, a huge portion of it and a huge portion of all strategies that everybody misses in best ball, no one ever talks about is that people don't do it. Right. So like if you play DF, right. like if you play DFS, um, I talked to one of the best DFS players on the planet, John Breslin, his uh, username squirrel patrol. He's one just won a milli not that long ago. He's, he's, he's a multimillionaire from DFS is at every live final. He's incredible DFS player. And the whole conversation that we have every Sunday morning is, uh, I'm go- as he's, he's playing a bunch of lineups. I'm playing one lineup where we're trying to figure out how owned should a player be or how owned should a stack be or how owned should a combination of players, right? Or a, a elite quarterback, how owned should elite quarterback be this week? How owned should Zay Flowers be, right? It's not about is Zay Flowers a good play? Yes, Zay Flowers is a good play. Is Hero running back a great play? Absolutely. I see right. the benefits too. I'm not a moron that do I Christian McCaffrey and then hero running back. That sounds great to me, but if no one, if zero running back is just as viable as every other structure, we just pointed out to you two, two really strong teams that took a zero running back approach. It's worked before. I just talked about Pete and I's team that nearly won best ball mania two with zero running back. You can win with it, but no one does it. Right. And so it's underrepresented relative to its winning potential in these tournaments. That's the only thing I care about. I don't actually give a shit about running backs and wide receivers. It's a very fun bit to make fun of running backs and make fun of the, the people who love Najee Harris and, and Mike Davis and all that stupid shit. It's fun. But like, I actually don't care if, if as soon as this flips and maybe it, I don't know that it ever will, but if it were to ever flip to where the market is drafting like exclusively zero running back teams, right. Or way more zero running back teams. Guess what I will do. I will be the running back, bro. I will be drafting robust teams and scooping the running back values and trying to hit on all the Pukas and the Nikos and the tank uh, uh, tank Dells and, and all of that. I, it's just about what the market is doing and the market loves their running backs. Even this year in a depressed market for the running backs, it, they, there's people still can't help themselves. Watch all the content in our, watch all the content in our space. Like shout out to, to all of the people that we love, all of our good friends in this space. They couldn't help themselves with the running backs this year. They were just like, yeah, this Tony Pollard. I can't, I can't stop taking Tony Pollard at the end of the second round. And how's that working out? <laughs> right. But I'm not, I'm not saying that there's any, I drafted, I'm overweight on Tony Pollard, but point being even the zero running back bros this year had a tough time going zero running back, which means it's even more, it's despite the fact that it's probably even better this year, with the pricing it's even more underrepresented than ever. And that's all that matters. The, the actual, you know, ideologies are stupid and we like to, to make a good joke out of them. But the whole point is what are our opponents doing and what are our opponents doing too much? And what are they not doing? Not enough. And that's the, that's kind of the zero running back thesis. And even the ones that aren't doing something enough. So if zero RB is not being done enough, we just talked about a way to do it and do it slightly different than everybody else is doing it. That might be more, more effective, right? So just because you figure something out, I was doing the, and, I, and you can do this with players. We talk about moving players around the board. Yeah. You have 8% Amon Ross St. Brown, but if your 8% is mixed throughout the board, your 8% is stronger than somebody else's. The results might not show that, but because your 8% Amon Ra is being drafted from the five hole or the four hole or the six hole or the nine hole or the 12 hole, and you're just mixing him around and getting different variations of a of an Amon Ra team instead of everyone that did an Amon Ra, because everyone that did the Amon Ra team probably did Amon Ra slash Lamb, Amon Ra slash Pollard, and that the we've talked about it. That's probably the most started combo that there was in the beginning there. The Chubb Garrett Wilson one was getting there as well, mm-hmm. but 
that one was getting done a lot. So if you just slide, you know, even if you slide a Monra up and then you still get Pollard or Lamb down, like if they fall, the players you're building around them are probably different. Point being, structures matter. Just because you like Hero RB, you didn't draft 100% zero RB, I mean, Hero RB teams. If you did, probably not great. So it's it's about when you do draft your hero RB, how are you drafting? When you're drafting your zero, your robust, your whatever, your elite tight end, how are you building them is what matters. It's not that you're doing it. Everyone can do it. I You could send your mom up. Mom, I want you to draft a 2-6-8-2 draft, and I don't want you to draft a running back until round seven. Everyone can draft a, a zero RB team. Yep. How are you drafting it? It's a fucking snake draft. It's listed yeah. in order of the best available player. It's not that hard. Right. So, I, I mean, it's like it, when you're doing it, how do you become the most efficient? And I think that's the stuff that we can learn as we look at our teams throughout the season. It's not gonna. It's not going to correlate year after year. We're talking about how this year is different than the year Cooper Cup went off, than the year that Christian McCaffrey went off you know, than the year that the elite quarterbacks like just absolutely slayed everybody. Each year kind of has its own story, but how can you weave your story through that and still build your best lineups? A hundred percent, a hundred percent. A good question from, <clears throat> from Al. He says, any data on drafting earlier in the summer versus later towards the week one kickoff? Um, so what I would say to this is, I wouldn't be so focused on on data because a little bit similar to what Rob said, every every uh, season has like a story, and uh, you know depending upon when you draft, your your teams are also going to tell a, a different story because you have different levels of information at that time, and you're drafting in a different market. Think about the market doesn't shift to this extent generally, but again, two two years ago, if you remember the great wide receiver apocalypse when uh, we were able to get all these guys in the, I, I remember two years ago the very first BBM draft was uh, that I had on like opening day. Well, I got uh, a sixth round Cooper Cup. He ended up going in the mid to late third by the end of the summer. And part of that was he was underpriced and everybody picked up on that. But also the other part was the market with, you know, we had the, uh, the, the great ship chasing show where everybody was like, Oh shit, we really do need to take these wide receivers earlier. And so the whole market shifted. And so if you only drafted at a certain point, you only were able to get certain combinations of, of players and you only were able to, to, you know, get certain guys at certain prices. And so, the whole conversation about drafting earlier versus later is not which is better. Uh, and there is actually going to be never any data that's ever going to tell you that because it's solely going to be kind of about what teams were drafted during those times, right? Like if I, if I drafted all the right players at the beginning of the summer and I got them all at good ADP values, guess what? I got the best team, but you know, you only have access to certain information. You're taking on certain extra risk. Uh, during that time, right? There's players you get hurt during during training camp and all that kind of stuff. But that doesn't mean the drafting early is wrong or the drafting late is better because there are things you, you can you can have certain benefits drafting early and you can have certain benefits drafting late. There are multiple of those you can't have you can't have both. You either get one or the other. And so it's a little bit of risk tolerance because drafting earlier certainly does involve a little bit more risk. But dra waiting to draft later means you're going to be passing up on certain things, right? Whether it be uh, like we learn about guys over the course of the offseason and they shoot up seven rounds, mm -hmm. right? We learn we learn new things over the course of the offseason. If you're able to get out in front of that stuff and draft in May or June, you can get access to teams that other teams can't. You can get access to super teams. And so it's just a per it's a, it, that question is 100 percent a personal preference question and so anybody that tries to tell you that there's a right or a wrong answer they're just telling you their personal preference and saying that it's right but it's really just a personal preference thing and you have to weigh the pros and cons of each of them and decide what's best for you absolutely can set it better myself yeah we all strive to be better uh, i keep trying uh, we're going to try again next year because we failed in uh, 2023 <laughs> uh, that that is for sure. Uh, I will say this one just takes one. Just yeah, exactly. One. That's what I keep. That's what I keep telling myself as my, uh, my advancing teams. There are so few, uh, but Shuby says drafting early is a plus life EV. Just get this shit over with. That's how I feel <laughs> right, right about now. Uh, yeah. Just get it over with. That's also how I felt by the end of the summer when I was just multi-tabling drafters drafts, trying to max that baby. I was just like, my God, I should have drafted way more in May because I am miserable drafting 
uh, all of these teams. I also will say the big early versus late conversation was a, a big talking point again a couple of years ago before this whole space really blew up like it has. Like we, it, when it became a big thing, we had one tournament. You had Best Ball Mania. You had 150 teams if you were going to max it or X amount of teams. So you did have to be like, when do I want to fire these bullets? Now we got a new tournament every other goddamn day, like yeah. across all these sites there. You can't possibly draft in all these tournaments. So you have to figure out when to fire, how many teams are you actually going to draft, right? There's so many nuances to it now because this basketball space is just out of control, man. It's absolutely out of control. It is, and as my TV, as just TV. Decide, TV just decides to go haywire, just goes rogue. It's the witching season, so it makes sense, true. right? That's that probably is, why it's going on. That is true. Um, I wanted to ask you one question as we start to uh, to wind down. If you could have in like a, a team, maybe you have a team with like some of these players or or something. What is like when you look at a team right now and like like you're you're doom scrolling? You're me last night. Your DFS day went shitty. Uh, you're laying in bed, you know, just looking through basketball teams to see if you can find something to cheer you up before you go to bed. What are you like looking for other than just like the the live bodies? Are there certain players? Are there certain stacks? Are there like advancing teams that have Kyron or HN? Or like, what are you kind of thinking about right now that like you're excited about moving forward and hoping that they're on some of your teams? Well, I can tell you both sides of one coin. I want all my Eagle stacks getting through right i want my and not just the aj brown hurts i want aj brown like i have a hundred dollar team on dk that has pretty much all the eagles on it it's hurts it's swift it's brown and now i want the eagles to lose a game or two yeah because we their their schedule's tough coming up too they got like the cowboys twice they got the bills coming up I think they have the – they don't have the Chiefs. They might. I don't remember. They they have – I don't think they have the Chiefs because they have the Bills or vice versa. But they have the 49ers coming up. and They got Chiefs, Cowboys, Chiefs. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Cowboys, Chiefs, Bills, 49ers, Cowboys, Seahawks, Giants, and then Cardinals. In, but But Seahawks, Giants, Cardinals is the playoff schedule, which the Seahawks defense is a little salty. But Giants and Cardinals are going to be bloodbaths. They're going to score as many points as they would like to. But like you said, the next month and a half is all the best teams in the NFL, literally. Yeah, they need to lose at least one game. And it's I, I'm an Eagles fan, so I, I hate saying this stuff. Like I, I lost a lot of fandom, but they need to lose to the 49ers. <laughs> Because who else is going to catch this team? And we're and then we're going to worry about resting players week 16, 17, because they just lock it up. They win four of these next five games and they beat the 49ers. It's a wrap. The the Eagles playoffs, they're gonna they're gonna rest AJ Brown. Stu's out here balling. Like they don't want to get him hurt. Right? Hurts already, it looks like he's a little banged up. So if you get a chance. To rest this dude, they're gonna do it. So we need the Eagles to lose a game, but that's what I've been looking for. I've been looking for like my Eagle stacks with some of the ancillary pieces around. Who were my good teams that have a chan on them? Yeah, right. Like that, I can still get through because when he gets back, he's gonna be a hundred percent. Kyron, kind of the same thing, but a chan's a little. A chan's a winner, man. Like a chan is a is a tournament winner for you. Mm-hmm. Kyron can do some stuff. A-chan's going to go out there and potentially put up 40 against the Ravens. These Ravens-Dolphins game stacks. And I'm kind of just jumbled all around. The other thing that I'm excited about for Week 17 is the 49ers and Washington game Washington. that we were told is not going to be good. The defenses are too good. The defenses <laughs> are too good. They're too good. Uh, despite the fact that they just combined to give up about 80 points this week, <laughs> they're too good. <laughs> And we were told we weren't supposed to like that game. And now, and I have a lot of weight on that game because I was getting played because I was taking McLaurin and I was taking Debo and Kittle and all that stuff. Even if I was, wasn't taking Howell, I have like some, some one-offs on a lot of these teams. So I'm excited about that. I'm scared to death of the Colts. I wasn't a big Colts guy, right? Like I, there wasn't Colts that I wanted to draft. I didn't want Pittman. I didn't want Richardson, which that worked out, but 
now Minshew's coming down there and like he's Jameis Winston. He's either <laughs> throwing a touchdown or he's throwing an interception. It's just, and they're playing such a fast pace. I guess I should have known that was coming based on who their new coach is and everything. Like, I guess I just overlooked that fact. But the Colts scare the shit out of me just based on the way they're playing their football games. So I don't um, know. That, that's kind of the stuff I'm looking at. I'm like, fuck, yep. I'm scared. I'm looking forward to being scared of the Colts, looking forward to all this other stuff. It's funny. It's funny you bring that up because uh, I felt uh, and Jonathan mentioned that uh, uh, both of these are really good answers. One being a Colt, uh, Jonathan Taylor and, Al- and Alvin Kamara. Kamara is yeah. definitely a guy who I wasn't drafting much in his is body bagging me JT. I did take quite a bit. He's certainly not on a lot of advancing teams because uh, he hasn't scored that many points and it was pretty expensive, obviously, but still, despite the fact that he's splitting with Zach Moss. Yeah. I, I would be very excited about getting Jonathan Taylor through. If you can, you also never know uh, what happens late in the year in terms of that, that workload and their offense looks pretty good. As you mentioned with, with Minch, it was good with Richardson and it looks you know good enough. It's not awesome, but it's good enough with uh, with with Minshew in there. Definitely they're playing just, fast. Like, yeah, they're, that's kind of what matters. Faster than anybody, basically, uh, in the NFL. Um, certainly, Dolphins Ravens. I don't, I don't know how you can watch a Dolphins game and not be like, I, just please God, let me get a game stack of that. I don't give a shit who the players are. Obviously, yeah. if it were if it were totally up to me, you know, give me. To like Tyreek Andrews, or, you know, HN, whatever. If, if you ha- I had my druthers, sure. But like, just get me there with anybody in that game and like wheels up. I'm good. I'll go to war with that, with those guys in that game. The other, uh, 100%, uh, we, we agreed on basically everything here. The Washington 49ers won for sure. A, because it's looking like a legitimately really fun potential game. Washington is going to play in like, shootouts constantly because their defense is just an absolute abomination and the offense is just good enough. Now they're going to lay some eggs and it's certainly possible that they do lay an egg in that game with the pass rush because their offensive line is so bad. But even when they're laying eggs, like a receiver or Brian Robinson or somebody's like getting there, they're like somebody gets there on Washington. Like how got sacked nine times and they had like 200 yards of total offense. And I think Brian Robinson scored like 15 fantasy points. It's like, like somebody gets there, right? Logan Thomas catches the touchdown. Somebody gets there on Washington every time. And the 49ers are 49ers are funny enough. Very similar to the Eagles in terms of the defense, not the offense, but the defense where you cannot run on them. Can't do it. No one does it. It was really shocking that Mixon had some reasonable success against them. Um, but you can't run on them, but everybody's throwing all over them, right? You their their corners are terrible, their pass defense yeah. is terrible. And the Washington has taken that approach twice to nearly beat the Eagles twice and to score 60 points in two games against the Eagles because they just say, We know we can't run. We know we can't run on them. We're just gonna throw it 50 times and see what happens. And it's worked twice. And so um also, Curtis Samuel just got hurt, so maybe we'll get a little continue to get more Dotson. And we need uh, McLaurin to eat. And boys. We need yes. McLaurin to eat. We were high yes. on McLaurin this year. I am, I am, I am in on all that. The last one I was going to point out there, which feels the grossest out of out of all of them, but is the Atlanta Falcons. I think that they are uh, doing just enough to where you might be able to. You know, this isn't like a totally awful offense for fantasy it's not amazing and trust me i I get all the tilt i get all the kyle pitts and drake london and stuff although london's been like totally fine it's not like blowing the doors off anything but the london targets are there although he got hurt this week he was gonna smash this week but uh got dinged up in the third quarter but whether it's not whether ritter's involved give me Bijan. i don't care Bijan pitts london give me somebody on the falcons offense because a they can they can score points despite the fact that they're so tilting and and so so frustrating they can score points and here is the playoff schedule ready carolina panthers pretty bad defense seems like a pretty good spot indianapolis colts we just talked about how fast they play terrible defense pretty good spot in the dome in atlanta and then now outdoors in Chicago, but I don't give a shit where they'll go play it at the North pole against the bears defense for all I care. They play the bears in week 17 uh, wheels up for that. Give me Justin Fields back and let's get a little DJ Moore, you know, Drake London back and forth or something like that. Can't draft that game. Can't draft Can't, it. The, the, the bears are just going to run. 
don't Can't you know that Chicago game? <laughs> the, the 49ers Washington game is going to be 17 to six and there's going to be 42 total plays in the Falcons and Bears games because they're Can't both never going to they're both never going to throw. Can't do it. Don't you get don't you look at the projections, Rob? Jesus just, Christ. You just can't do it. You can't take it. <laughs> that game. Those are the games. They don't play in a dome. You know? Oh, yeah, like, it's outside. <laughs> it's outside. You can't you can't do it. Like it. Just, I don't know. I think we've learned. I think we've learned our lesson. Right. Like on this nonsense. Um, I, I was asked what my McLaurin exposure is. It's above 20 percent on everything. BBM, it's 22 percent. But that might fluctuate across all. I was taking McLaurin everywhere. Yep. Uh, obviously, I am. I have all the Washington guys. We don't need to get into my exposure on the Washington guys. Uh, it's high. And also, I, we did a we did an exposure show right before the season started. I might actually go back and watch that at some point uh, uh, just to see how I was feeling about all of my exposures oh. because I know how I'm feeling right now, and it's probably very different from how I was feeling uh, uh, two months ago about those teams. Um, Rob has to, you know, this is a big time of year for rob so mm-hmm. if you guys are are into spooky season and halloween and of course ghosts and anything uh you know haunted related i just got recommended i i, th- I think somehow you're seeping into my social media algorithm because i don't even i don't even like really do, i mean i watch some of your shows i guess that's probably where it's coming from but uh I got recommended to, obviously I live, I actually live in Illinois, right outside of St. Louis. And my wife is from, and it's right down the road from us, Alton, Illinois. And I just got recommended a, uh, an article about how Alton, Illinois is the most haunted town in the state of Illinois. Uh, and so I haven't read it yet, but I actually did bookmark it because I'm uh, going to read a little bit more about it. And I know you've done some, some content on, on my area and such, but everybody needs to make sure you go check out hometown so, ghost stories. So- so not to cut you off, but we usually do our show live on Tuesday nights. We are actually doing our show live tonight at 9 p.m. Eastern. And this is a favorite of a lot of our listeners because we're doing listener submitted stories. So people send in their own ghost stories. We go, we read them, we record a little video for them. And you get to hear like actual ghost stories from different listeners. And we wanted to do it so that we could put the episode on the podcast for halloween day and then tomorrow night we're going to go live at nine o'clock and do a movie review of the original halloween that's amazing that sounds like an absolute blast um tbd on the schedule for this week uh with halloween tomorrow and uh not that it really matters for me but we are going to go do something for halloween tomorrow evening uh but we'll we will definitely be back this week certainly i will be back this week going to try to get something nba going again um that was a lot of fun last week and uh not the last time you'll see us this week, but thank you guys for hanging out with us and uh, make sure you go check out hometown ghost stories and enjoy your Halloween and enjoy Monday night, Monday night football. We'll see you guys later. Peace. Those were some spicy takes. Want to stay up to date with all of the other spicy takes we're going to have over here at spike week. Why don't you press that subscribe button below? You turn notifications on, we draft a team, boom, you know about it. We have another spicy take, boom, you know about it. You can be there. You can draft with us. You want to stay up to date? That's how you do it. All right, we'll catch you later next time here at Spike Week.